You're listening to Brown on Brand, featuring Matthew Brown on Thumbstopper.fm. Good morning, good morning. Uh, This is Matthew Brown, and welcome back to Brown on Brand. Today I have uh, an exciting guest, Susan Bass from Big Cat Rescue. And um, we're going to be talking about something that uh, always touches me. For those of you who may not know, uh, myself and my family are family are huge animal lovers. And uh, good morning, Susan. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for coming down today. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Big Cat Rescue. And that's a, a beautiful property in Citrus Park, uh, part of Tampa, Florida. And... Uh, Although I've walked behind it on the trail many times with my little dogs, I've often wondered with the, with the wire across the top of the wall, I always wondered what was back there. And I had just recently learned about it, believe it or not, and I'd heard the name Big Cat Rescue, but I didn't realize it was right, like right in my backyard. So yes, it's a hidden gem. If I had a dollar for every time someone tells me I've heard of it, but I've never been there, I'd be quite wealthy. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. And um, it is a hidden gem. And so, you know, what's the story at the foundation? How did you, you know, in Big Cat Rescue, we'll have information, um, you know, in the podcast about it. But, you know, these are big cats. It's just what it says, right? So how did you end up around big cats? Well, the sanctuary started in 1992, and right now we have about 60 big cats. And even though we call ourselves Big Cat Rescue, some of them are quite small. Bobcats are maybe, you know, 12 to 40 pounds. We have an ocelot named Perfection, and she's just tiny. So there are some big cats. Tiny like house cat tiny? Right, house cat tiny. And we have a couple hybrids who are small, and then it goes all the way up to the lions and the tigers. And our biggest tiger right now probably weighs about... Four or five hundred pounds. Holy cow. <laughs> and so how big is the property? 60 cats. That's a ton of, I guess some are tiny and they're not all big, but that's a ton of cats. Right. The property is 69 acres. Okay. It started off in the 90s at 45 acres. And uh, what was nice when the economy had a downturn in the, you know, 2008 sure. to 2010, we 10, were able yeah. to buy some adjoining properties. So now it's about 69 acres. And we have several staff people who live on the property, as well as an intern program. Interns apply from all over the world to come and live on site. They get free housing and uh, stipends for food, and they work around the cats for three months to learn a lot about big cats. Oh, that's awesome. And I noticed the areas around that I'm quite fond of Tampa for several reasons, but one of the things I love about Tampa uh, is that you have little pockets of rural feelings in the city and i live in one of those little pockets between town and country and oldsmar but i always like walking through the trail so i can imagine some of that property that you picked up were those homes or those was that raw land out there because i know there's kind of both still it was raw land and there's actually a couple lakes yeah we have a perimeter fence around the 69 acres so you can't really like look in and see it people always ask me if we have alligators in the lake so we don't because they, they, they can't come in and out, right? It's yeah, contained. It's contained yeah. But um, <clears throat> our founder originally, like I said, she had the 45 acres, and she wanted to green belt it, basically get uh, some llamas for free lawnmowers, as I always call them. Okay. So she went to an animal auction, this was in 1992, to get some llamas. While she was waiting for the llamas to come up to be auctioned off, there was a young bobcat being auctioned off. And so she was like, thought that was very odd. Who would be, you know, the bobcat was clinging to the man on the stage. It was very afraid. 
And someone in the audience next to her was actually bidding on the bobcat. So finally she said to him, you know, why are you bidding on a bobcat? Aren't they mean? They're wild animals. And he said, I'm a taxidermist. Oh, man. So his plan was to take the bobcat out in the parking lot, club it to death, and make it a den decoration. Carol burst into tears, refused to allow that to happen, and made sure that she was the highest bidder. So that's how the sanctuary actually started. Wow, what she a great She had no story. intention of, you know, starting a sanctuary for cats. Sure. She always loved cats and uh, named that little bobcat Winsong. And Winsong was the start of the whole sanctuary. That's an amazing story and uh, quite touching, actually. And I always think the best things, especially the, you know, the things that turn into philanthropy, you know, they start like that where somebody really... You know, get touched, you know, is touched by something in their life. And, and so that's amazing. I don't think animals have enough, uh, you know, heroes, if you will. That's right. She's an amazing hero for animals. One of the fiercest women I've ever seen. It's awesome. And um, when did you get involved? What year? I got involved with the sanctuary way back in 2003. Mm-hmm. I was running the public relations department for an ad agency, public relations agency combo here in Tampa. And at the time, the sanctuary was called uh, Wildlife on Easy Street, and it was losing money, and nobody in Tampa had even heard of it. Now yeah. at least everyone's heard of it, even if they haven't been there. Yeah, yeah. And um, Carol had started dating her um, uh, now husband, Howard Baskin, and he has the you know financial law degree, Howard MBA kind of background, and he was like, we need to look at the sanctuary as a business, not just as a nonprofit sure. that's draining money. So he had met the owner of the advertising PR firm that I worked for and said, would you guys take us on as a pro bono client? We need to change the name. We need some help with our logo. They had an annual event every year called the Furball that they needed some public relations support for. (laughs) Yeah, the Furball is that great. So um, that's actually They needed marketing help. Yes, they needed big marketing help. So um, uh, the advertising agency side of it changed the logo, still the logo we use today. Yep. And uh, Howard and Carol and I and a couple of the people, you know, put our brains together and came up with Big Cat Rescue as the name because obviously that much is much better at describing what we do at the sanctuary. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that's interesting. And, you know, talking about marketing, um, there are negative things, you know, that you always hear. And when there are people doing good, there are always people that are, for some <laughs> reason, uh, pissed off about that, whether it's... Um, financial gain that you could have, uh, you know, by, you know, working against something that's positive. But there's been a number of things. And and one of the things that we were talking about in pre-podcast and just, you know, chatting before we got on the air here is that there were questions out there I couldn't believe people asked and and that you guys are transparent with those questions. And I was a little bit confused um, when Amy had handed me the list. Uh, about some of those things, but I'd love to delve into them because, you know, I want to get to a bill uh, that you guys are working on. And I think that's very interesting. That's really what's been most intriguing me uh, to learn about that. But, you know, you hear things like, why are the cages so small? Um, and And you hear questions about, is there enough property, you know, for each cat? You know, what, what do you say to things like when you hear, when you hear that and, and being somebody that's never been to that, I, I you know, I can't, I know we're going to go visit and we're going to try to get some pictures. So as we can add to the video, so can, people can get a sense for it. But for an organization that's founded on the right roots and doing so many good things for animals, what is it that drives people crazy to ask questions like that? Or what creates that empathy if it's real? Right. No, that's good. That's a very good uh, question. 
We want to have cats be in the wild, period. They should not be living in captivity, not even at Big Cat Rescue. We have huge enclosures. They're 10, 20, 30 times the minimum standards that the Florida Wildlife Commission um, requires. But there's still not the hundreds of miles that they might be roaming in the wild. Mm-hmm. You know, lions, tigers, leopards, they're not even native but to the United States. But it beats the hell out of being clubbed in a parking lot and made a oh, that's true. in a den. That's true. Yeah. But those cats aren't even native to Florida. They're only right. here because people want to make money off of them. And we're trying to end that. So the people who are making money off them, and it's very lucrative when tiger cubs are very young, between four and say 12, 13 weeks old, right. they can, uh, the breeders and exhibitors charge a lot of money for mm-hmm. little Johnny to hold a tiger cub on his yeah. lap, take a photo and maybe, you know, give the little cub a bottle. Yeah. But what people don't realize is once they are 12, 13 weeks old, they're way too dangerous to sit on someone's lap. They can actually scratch or, you know, even bite a finger off at that point. So then they're discarded. They're yeah. no longer wanted. So yeah. they're bred for a teeny tiny little window of opportunity for the breeder and in captivity, they can live well into their 20s. So think about, you know, languishing. What happens yeah. to those cats once they're too large to be used for cub petting? Right. Nobody knows. Yeah. Nobody keeps track in the United States. No one knows how many big cats are living in people's backyards right now. Right. In a state like Florida where we have hurricanes, you don't know after a hurricane, it's the first responders, first responders are trying to figure out, you know, how to help the people. There's maybe a, you know, a lion loose or a cougar loose in your neighborhood. Right. And they have to deal with that. And it could attack someone. So that's kind of a long way of saying the reason um, a lot of people make up lies There's or tell untruths about yeah. us. Yes, they're making a lot of money on that, and they don't want that to stop. Sure. So they make up a lot of lies. For example, if someone you know says, "Why are your cages small?" They've probably seen on a website a photo of one of our cats inside what we call their food lockout. Sure. They have a smaller section that has a guillotine door that can go down for safety so that when our volunteers, our keepers, are placing the food inside the food lockout, uh, they can close the cat out. Then when the food is safely placed in there, they open the guillotine door and the cat comes in to eat. So if they show that and say that's the entire area that the cat has to live in, where actually our enclosures are between 1,200 square feet, the size of a small home for a bobcat, goes up to two acres for one of our tigers. Okay. So they're huge. Right now, the um, Florida Wildlife Commission, which has pretty generous rules compared to other states, says that you can keep two tigers for their entire lives in a 12 by 24 foot cage. Wow. That's about the size of a large parking space. Yeah. Two cats, no enrichment. No exercise and, ability. And, and, and the, you know, the auspice behind that is so it, the people can own them privately. Can you, can I, can I own a tiger? You can own a tiger. Right now there's a loophole in the federal regula- regulations that says um, you're technically not allowed to own a tiger or a lion or a leopard or jaguar as a pet. Okay. But if you say I'm a small roadside zoo, yeah. I'm exhibiting this cat, right. you can purchase a USDA exhibitor license for $40 and get around the law. Yeah, it's brutal. And I just, wasn't it last week, I just saw they had to euthanize a bear because the natives were feeding the bear and taking selfies with the bear. The bear came back to love on these people oh, like it had it. been doing, and they and they euthanized the bear. So. I mean, just, I, I don't know why anybody, and we love animals, and but I don't know why anybody would want the responsibility. We always think, 
we like a we'd like to have a bird, but you know the problem is, the bird's gonna live a hundred years, mm-hmm. and it's like having almost a handicapped child. It's like when when you're gone, who's gonna take care of you know? And and so again, back to not enough heroes. And I didn't mean to get off on such a you know negative piece because I think there's a lot of things to talk about. But speaking about legal, the I think you guys are working on a bill HR thirteen eighty. Yes. Is that right? Is that what I read? It is. And it's a federal bill. So it's not a bill just for Florida. It was, okay. It's going to cover all 50 states. It's called the Big Cat, Big Cat Public Safety Act. Okay. And it's working its way through Congress right Congress right now. The HR is the House side of the, of the bill, right. 1380. And we're close to having it reintroduced on the Senate side. But um, as we get more and more co-sponsors, eventually it will come up for a, um, a vote mm-hmm. in the House floor. And the last time something similar came up to vote, it actually passed unanimously. Oh wow! So we are we are very much um, believing that this Congress and, and a, a bill has two years as a two-year Congress for the bill to pass. If it doesn't pass, it's reintroduced and has a new bill number. So the, that's the current bill is thirteen eighty, and what it will do is basically two things: it will ban private owners from owning these cats as pets. So if you are a zoo anywhere or in the a US. sanctuary, right, anywhere in the U.S., you'll be grandfathered in. You'll be allowed to keep your cat until it passes on, or you can relinquish it. And a sanctuary like Big Cat Rescue will take it on. And there's a series of other accredited sanctuaries like ourselves around the country that are standing ready to take these cats in. And it would also ban the cub petting. I was mentioning earlier about people will pay, you know, twenty, right. fifty dollars a pop. I've seen it for yeah. someone to hold a little tiger cub, yeah. even swim with a tiger cub. Right. It's just, you know, I always tell people if you see any wild animal doing something that's unnatural that they would not be doing if they were in the wild, but they're doing it because they're captive, you know, just don't do it. Don't right. pay to don't play contribute with a to tiger that. cub. Exactly. The elephants. It's cruel, riding the elephants. Not cool. Right. Exactly. Yes. And everybody wants to give their children the experience, but, you know, there are so many other things that you could, uh, you know, get them involved in or give them experience other than, you know, saddling a poor elephant for nine hours a day at at one of these, uh, you know, local fairs or, uh, you know, gatherings. The, um, will the, um, the, the part of the bill that you're working on, is that going to, you know, what's that going to do for the, the people that are breeding them, will, will they not be allowed to breed them any longer? Is that, you That's know? That's a really good question. Yeah. What the bill is going to specify is that the public can no longer handle cubs. There has to be a 15-foot barrier between the public and a tiger cub, for example. Okay. So we believe that that will stop the incentive of these breeders to breed cubs if little Johnny, little Jenny can't hold a cub anymore and get a photo. Try to remove the financial can't reward. Get a, yeah. Can't get a selfie. Exactly. Sure. If they can, these are very lucrative for 12 yeah. weeks and then they become a huge liability. Right. It costs Big Cat Rescue $10,000 per year for food and vet care for one large cat like a lion or a tiger. So all of a sudden they go from being lucrative to very expensive. Yeah. And that will, that will we believe, will stop 99% of the abuse, just stopping them from, um, you know, people to be able to hold them. Sure. The uh, What's the demand like? I mean, do you have a backlog? Right now we don't. We okay. used to have to turn away hundreds of cats every year okay. from people, whether it was the private pet they wanted to get rid of or, um, you know, various other circumstances. Now people are, you know, getting it. There is a growing awareness that these cats do not make sure. good pets. They shouldn't be in circuses. 
they shouldn't be, you know, um, exploited for the cub photos. And um, we're actually have room right now to handle more cats. So awesome. as um, authorities seize cats from different roadside zoos or they close down on their own, you know, we take in cats. When we take in a cat from a private owner, we do have them sign a legally binding contract. They will never again own another cat. We don't want to just be the dumping ground for someone who has a lion that's older now and sick and yeah. needs a lot of vet care, yeah. and they're going to turn around they and they're going to buy another cat. A new one, right. right. Yeah. How many sanctuaries exist like this, like Big Cat? Do you have, like, you know, what you would consider partner or sister sanctuaries, people that you work with in the industry that have the same kind of passion? Not exactly sisters, but we're accredited by the Global Federation of Animal Sanctuaries. Okay. And there are, I'd say, six to ten other sanctuaries in the United States that are also accredited. And then they have, because um, it's global, there's different accreditations for different animals around the around the world. Sure. And it could be an elephant sanctuary, a wolf sanctuary, a, a big cat sanctuary. Okay. Even horse, horse um, sanctuaries. So we do work together with other GFAS accredited sanctuaries on on different um, rescues when there's a lot of cats. For example, in 2016. So there is a network. Yes, there is yeah. a network. Yeah. In 2016, um, in Colorado, there was a place called Serenity Springs, and the man had 75 tigers. Oof. He owned 75 tigers, and he was breeding more. Wow. Another accredited sanctuary. So he was a breeder or just a habitual collector? He was a breeder. He was making okay. money. He was breeding them All for right. these cub opportunities that I was, yeah. I was telling you about. But then, you know, people get in on over their head. And uh, as he was getting older, so he did agree to sell his land and equipment and donated his animals to Turpentine Creek, which is another great sanctuary out of Arkansas. And okay. then they put out the word, you know, we need help. This guy has 75 tigers, tigers and some other smaller cats. Sure. You can take the cats. And we agreed to take in five tigers. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Crazy. The, um, do you ever get the opportunity to release a cat back into the wild? Have you, have, is, is that something that can be done or is that, you know, not typical or how to... You know, or is that, I don't even know if it... <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. We get that question yeah. a lot. Um, as I mentioned earlier, cats like lions, tigers, leopards, servals, caracals, they are not native to the United States. So it's sure. illegal to release them, even if there was wild in the U.S. Okay. to release them to the habitat, okay. which there is not. We are licensed in the state of Florida to rehab native wild Florida bobcats. Okay. So, for example, right now we are... Um, rehabilitating, just basically raising two tiny little six, seven week old bobcats that were found separately in different parts of Florida. They were both in the middle of the road and some good Samaritan saw them, scooped them up thinking they were, you know, house cats yeah. and then realizing they were bobcats and they, um, you know, either took them to a vet or a shelter or called the Florida Wildlife Commission. And that's how we get most of them. And they, um, we ended up bringing them, they were both close together in age. So we have introduced them and now they're gonna grow up together. And we have an amazing state-of-the-art bobcat rehab program. It's the best in the state. And once they you know, learn how to hunt, we make sure that they know how to take care of themselves sure. and can survive on their own. Then we will release them into a beautiful wooded, at least 40 acres of natural habitat Okay. for them to to go into that's cool that's a, that's the ultimate success yeah. story oh yeah those are our return them back home those are our very to favorite your point, days. they should all be in the wild yeah you know when the when the public wants to experience this and like so many people and you'd be very wealthy if if you had a dollar every time you heard that you know i've heard of it 
you know, what's the best experience? Is this thing Monday through Sunday? Is it, you know, what are your business hours? How does one uh, come down and, and visualize and, and get to experience uh, Big Cat Rescue? Right. We have guided tours. So we're not like a zoo where you just walk around on your own and just show up and leave whenever you want. Right. We have specific times for tours. Okay. So the best way to figure out, you know, the tour you want to take and the time it's available and you have to make a reservation in advance is to go to bigcatrescue.org slash tickets. Okay. And it will describe the tours. Our day tour is our most popular tour. It's an hour and a half walking tour. And the guide talks about the cats that you see as you walk around, how they came to the sanctuary, their specific stories, as well as information about the plight of captive cats in America and what's going on with cats in the wild. Uh, Most tigers these days, there's only about 4,000 left. About half of them, the wild tigers, are in India. So we'll talk about that. And um, we have kids tours on Saturdays and Sundays for children that are under age 10. Okay. So if you, like you, with your family, you might have two adults, a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old. Everybody goes on the kids tour because at least one of your members okay. of your party is oh, so under So most of your age. tours are, they have age requirements. Yes, okay. yes. So the kids tour is the only tour, other than a private tour, you can um, s- sign up for a private tour. Okay. And then it can be at any age. So anybody under nine, either a kids tour on the weekends or a private tour. How big can a tour be? Like right. what can Our tours are be? about 20 people each. 20? Okay. Yes. And then... Okay. Um, Mostly corporate know. events or do you find families doing it wanting a private tour or both? Uh, oh, both. Yes. Yeah, both. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And so we're closed on Thursdays. Okay. And during the week, we have a regular tour at 3 p.m. So there are not tours all day long every day. Right. And I always say, you know, being a sanctuary, a lot of these cats have been through, you know, hell before they got here. Yeah. And so they have their natural environments. They do what they want. If they want to hide in the grass and you don't see the cat as you walk by, that's fine. The cats come first in every single thing that we do. We never touch our cats. We don't buy cats. We don't sell cats. We certainly don't breed cats. That's the number one no-no. And we don't take them off-site for events. As the PR director at at Big Cat Rescue, I get calls all the time. Oh, we're a car dealership in Clearwater, and we're having a 10th anniversary. Can you bring a tiger over to sit in the parking lot all day long for the, you know, all day on Saturday? Oh, yeah, that sounds like a great experience. Great experience for the yeah, cat, right? Yeah, right. You know, I don't know if you have house cats, but they, you know, they like to do their own thing. They like to hide. And, you know, there's no opportunity to hide if you're in a cage in a parking lot with the sun beating down, people gawking and taking photos of you yeah. all day long. Yeah, anything could happen right. at that point. Right. The um, So you talk about the kind of the natural habitats and a lot of these cats aren't from here. Are there such thing as cold weather cats and can, and can they deal with, you know, I, I, we've had animals and they end up with skin problems because of the pollen and, you know, you have this beautiful piece of property and notice that it's just, you've got amazing trees and landscaping, you know, that makes it very kind of private and, and probably gives the, the cats things to kind of shelter under and play. And right. But are there cats that don't respond to the Florida heat? Yes, we have, for example, we have a Canadian lynx and mm-hmm. so he's used to the weather in Canada, which would be a lot cooler. We also have an extremely rare Amur leopard who would be native to Russia, the Siberian area, which is also very cold. So it's amazing how quickly the cats do adapt to our weather. But for those cats that are used to the colder climate, we have air conditioned sections for them to go into and if if they want to. Okay. And um, 
Do you find them drawn to that? The cats that like the cold, or are they, they are they just doing their thing? They kind of acclimate. Yeah. If we've rescued, um, for example, bobcats are wild in you know all of North America. And a few years ago, it was winter. We rescued some uh, four bobcats that came from South Dakota. Mm-hmm. So they had their you know their winter coat, and when they got to uh, Florida, it was it was. It was cool, so it was fine. But like the sure. next winter, they didn't get a winter coat because now they've acclimated. Nature is just amazing. So yeah, they yeah. might come with a winter coat because they were up north, but then they thin that they out. Thin that out. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's amazing. And so, you know, we talked about uh, tours, um, and I definitely want to plan a tour. The uh, are, Do you have corporate sponsors? Do you take on corporate sponsors for those that are kind of touched by what you're doing? And I'm, and I'm so glad that you touched on, because it was one of the questions I wanted to ask, is how do you make sure that this thing, you know, stays healthy, you know, financially and doesn't become a burden? And you, and you touched on that, you know, looking at it from a business segment where this thing can, you know, be self-sufficient. But I'm guessing there are ways that, you know, corporate, you know, or companies can become sponsors or help with the financial burden of some of this? We do have corporate sponsors. We also have a lot of individual sponsors. Okay. And sponsorship can be as low as $25 or it can be $100,000. Okay, great. And um, depending on the level of sponsorship, you can actually you know, select a cat to sponsor mm-hmm. or a species of cat okay. and have a sign on the enclosure that says this cat is sponsored by, you know, for example. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we have a lot of that. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so okay. all the money that we take in is through donations and from the revenue of the tours. Awesome. The revenue of the tours does pay for the 15 or 16 staff people, which is very low for um, a sanctuary like ours that yeah. has a budget of three, $4 million a year. Yeah, that's really lean. All of the cat care is done by volunteers and interns. So Carol figured out years ago there were enough people who absolutely love big cats that will handle, not handle, but take care of them for free. Yeah, sure. They will, you know, feed them and clean them and make sure the enclosures are um, tip top, raked and that kind of thing. Absolutely. Weeded. It's a ton of work. And um, so all of the money that is is uh, straight donations, 100% of that goes to the cats and our mission. That's amazing. Well, I'll tell you, it's just an amazing story. And there's some things I learned today about Big Cat, um, you know, just... That's very touching. The anything I miss, Susan, today that you'd like to talk about? Or? Um, if people have wanted to get more information about the federal bill and how they can take action, absolutely, they can go to bigcatactact.com. Okay, or text cats C I T S to five two eight eight six, and they can actually just enter your address and zip code. And it's not that we're going to you know start bombarding you with things. It's simply to say um, figure out on the app who your two state uh, U.S. senators are sure. and who your House of Representative member is. And then you can make what we call the call of the wild. And okay. your phone will actually ring, and it will connect you to Washington, D.C., to the office of your House of Representative member first. And you can just say, hi, my name is Susan. I live in Florida. I'm in your district, and I would like you to sponsor the Big Cat Public Safety Act. I don't think these cats should be pets or be used as photo ops. Absolutely. And I think, uh, I want to thank you so much, Susan, for coming by today. It's just, you guys are amazing and, and keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It. All right. Signing out. Thanks again, listeners. Uh, Big Cat Rescue here in Tampa, Florida. For the local folks that haven't had an opportunity, we learned that we could schedule uh, private tours. Um, 
and just an organization that really uh, deserves the support and attention. Thanks for listening. And remember, subscribe to Brown on Brand at thumbstopper.fm or wherever fine podcasts can be found.